Weirdo Bookworms Unite! We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Fans of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, and more can stop by as we chat about what we've been reading. Hi friends, hi genre junkies, and welcome back to our podcast. I'm your host, Sandra. And I'm Scott. Your lovely co-host. Um, so Scott, what's different about this month for genre junkies? It's October. Yay! It it's is, Halloween it's, month. Ha- it's Halloween. It's the most magical time of the year. It is the best time of the year. And for that reason, we are only going to be talking about scary stories. And we're going to have a few extra episodes this month, too. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome, universe. So let's kick things off. All right, I'm ready. All right. The first scary novel of dread is The Grip of It by Jack Jemk. Let me tell you about this book. Married couple Julie and James need a fresh start for the sake of their relationship. The pair leave the city and move to a large old house out in the country. It's not long before they realize something is terribly wrong in their new home, and it's got the couple in its grasp. So right away, it's it's a really interesting synopsis for a uh, standard, seems like, horror uh, haunted, haunted house, house story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is always a great premise. Actually, for scary movies, I love haunted house sort of premises. Me too. It's it's inherently scary to me, but I can handle it. But they're really fun. Yeah. Um, well, I'm absolutely obsessed with ghosts. So right away, this premise grabbed me because any sort of variation on a ghost story, I'm going to be super into. Um, so this is the first book either of us have read by this author um and it is a woman it's j um j a c is how she spells her first name jack and the last name is jemk uh j e m k or j e m c j e m c you yes. got it yeah jemk j e m it sounds like we're in like a spelling bee okay <laughs> so let's do our patented um experience score here so i'm going to give this page turner okay what what do you give it Mine's a little bit different. Uh, This book was actually a struggle for me. (gasps) Now, it's not because it was bad. Actually, at the heart of the book, it's a mind-breaking psychological horror, right? And it's written to push that mindset on the reader. Uh, Jem breaks so many rules in her writing. Uh, Characters give monologues that are mostly gibberish. Uh, I had to reread them multiple times. Uh, chapters are sometimes written on a single run-on sentence or without paragraph breaks. Um, in addition, every chapter alternates between the two main characters, James and Julie. And uh, yes. sometimes I lost track until halfway through a chapter on whose perspective I was actually reading. Well, you just you just have to pay attention. Oh, absolutely. It, but I had to reread <laughs> chapters multiple times through the book. And I think that those choices were completely deliberate, but it made the word slippery uh i often forgot or or didn't comprehend what i had actually just read i I feel like the way you're saying all of this is as if it were a negative thing it's not i i really think that my experience with the book is what jack jemp wanted you to experience it because it's a very mind flippy book uh, yes. Well, I, I agree. See, here's the thing is everything you you just said, I agree with. But I mean, I, I come from it from a totally 
positive place. I mean, it's made like it's architecturally made to be a page turner. Um, the writing is it's kind of sparse, but not without like description. Um, but it's just kind of sparse and the chapters are short and they flip back and forth. It's not a very long book either. It clocks in under 300 pages. So, I mean, just the whole thing is just designed to make you need to turn the page and figure out more. And I agree. Sometimes the uh, the paragraphs, what the characters are thinking, is kind of like, I don't want to say it's nonsense in like an Alice in Wonderland sort of way. But um, yeah, you definitely have to read it twice because you're like, what that shiz was crazy what what did they just say what are they thinking right now what are they doing well and i wanted to comment on, on you saying that the book was short because when i first picked it up i said oh pff, i'll finish this in a day because that's a pretty short book for me but it's deceptively long despite being only 300 some pages and about well, 13 point font which yeah. is bigger than normal because it's dense it, it is very dense and it requires a lot of attention to understand what is happening. Yeah, a lot of things are very subtle. Um, well, so kind of what we're already talking about right now is the writing style. And we'll get into the writing style and the characters. And then, of course, as you guys know, as always, we'll warn you before we get into real spoiler territory here. Yeah, we'll have a break before the spoiler section and we'll discuss it in a little bit more detail. I couldn't just every book I ever read be written in this style and with this, oh, our producer Stitches is, is trying to get on the mic. So just, you know, she might say hi. Um, like, I think I'd lose my mind if every book I read was written like this, where it's so cray cray. Well, I, th- I felt like I was losing my mind reading this one book. Oh, good. I mean, I think it should do that. I, I think it should, too. But I agree with you. I I could probably only handle one of these kind of books a year. A year? No. I mean, like, I'd have to read, like, three different styles in between. But I could definitely handle one of these, like, once a month. I loved it. Well, you're a little bit more of a horror fanatic than I am. That is putting it mildly. So what appeal do you think that this has for uh, people you'd recommend the book to? Uh, Personally, I think it has a general appeal. Okay. I mean... I think people might not pick it up if they're not already interested in kind of a spooky story premise. Like the back, the back actually gives away in the back of the book synopsis a lot more than we're saying right now. But I could see a lot of people who maybe read, you know, just kind of your normal literary fiction digging this. I don't know if I agree. Um, I, I put this in the, the niche category. Oh, I, no. yeah. I, I think there's two types of people who this book really uh, appeals to. Horror fans and lit majors. Well, maybe. Maybe. I, I don't think I don't think that's true. I just don't. I think it has more of a general appeal than that. Okay. But uh, you're allowed to be wrong. I can't think of many people that I know outside of, you know, our genre junkies uh, circle mm-hmm. that I would recommend this book to. Well, we don't associate with people outside of the genre junkies circle, so it doesn't Unfortunately, matter. that is pretty much true. Well, no, fortunately. <laughs> fortunately. That is very much true. Fortunately. But that's, why, that's why we're here, people. Let's see if we can talk about characters a little bit. I'd love to. Without getting too spoilery. Yeah, I think, I think we can handle it. Uh, most of the book isn't really spoilery until the end. I don't know if I agree with that either, but that's okay. Okay. We're going to speak broadly here. 
So a married couple, Julie and James, I think at one point it kind of describes Julie as having blonde hair, but James, I think she describes as kind of dark. And oftentimes I love really, really descriptive writing and, you know, how characters look and everything and how a place looks. But I kind of liked that she left this really open to like interpret like what these characters look like their ages i totally agree because it allowed me to put myself into the characters right i pictured i pictured myself as james oh okay i don't i don't necessarily have the same motivations that james does but (laughs) i I put myself in his place well that's kind of cool then that that worked out that way um we do get the a uh, feeling that they're kind of young. I don't remember if it says their ages exactly. It doesn't say their ages, but I would probably put them in the late 20s, early 30s. I kind of did more early to mid 30s. Okay. Yeah, because at one point, like, their parents come and visit when well, one of the couples does. So, I mean, obviously, they still have parents that are, like, alive age. And, well, as opposed to being dead age. Um, <laughs> but... So Julie's more of a planner. She's more of a, you know, kind of a buttoned up, smarty pants type of girl. And uh, James is a little bit more footloose and fancy free. He seems to be very much a control freak in a different way than Julie. Hmm. Uh, He struggles to have control over his own life and things around him. And that makes him very impulsive. Yes, whereas she clearly likes things uh, to to be a lot more... Well, she's she comes off more serious, more mature. Well, she likes things to happen immediately. When a plan is made, yeah. get to it. Where James likes to, like many men, lounge around, think about it, talk about it. We'll do it tomorrow. Right, yeah. I mean, it's um, it's kind of those stereotypes you think of sometimes with, like, males and females. Sometimes they can be really cute together, which is sweet, but not, like, gross. Like, they're not constantly, like, lovey-doveying all over each other. This really isn't, like, a romance novel. They seem to be more like a regular couple. Yeah, it's where believable. They have, they have real problems and they have <laughs> real issues communicating with each other, but it's clear that they love each other and they work through these things despite having their, their issues. Right, and there is an issue that's actually kind of big. It's a big issue. Yeah. I liked the writing of them. Like you said, it, the the chapters alternate. I could pretty much always tell who was who. Their attitude are different they are different and the writing styles between the two are different like i said there are literary tricks that are used to change the two yeah james's sentences tend to be shorter more to the point where julie's sentence structure will miss punctuation miss periods there'll be longer paragraphs more train of thought Right. And um, that's where it kind of comes in that you're paying attention to this really subtle character stuff that she's got going on, which I think is super cool. Um, well, and also like a big hobby of James's is photography. And that's like something he uses a lot throughout the book. I don't really know what Julie's hobbies are, but she likes to drink and day drink. And I fully support that. I think we both can relate. Yeah. I'm So that's cool, girl. I mean, that's relatable she definitely seems to be more career driven than james Uh, yeah 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> she she seems to identify with the work that she performs, where James goes to work to make money to do his well, other basically, things. Basically, he goes to work because Julie will be mad if he doesn't. Um, <laughs> let's see. What else can we kind of tell our friends without getting too spoilery? I know people are probably thinking, talk about some scary shit. One of the things with this book is most of the scariest stuff happens at the end. Hmm. I would say there's a ramp up, but there's plenty of scary stuff throughout. I mean, really, what this book is, is it's creepy. It is creepy AF. It's a slow burn horror. It's a slow burn, even though it's not a lawn book. I know you're really confused right now, but trust me, we know what we're talking about. And it's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, don't approach it like a short story like I did. It yeah. really is a full-length novel that didn't have to be that long to get that experience. And it's not typical ghost story. It does not end up being typical, no. There's a bit of a mystery. There's a bit of a, you know, you're kind of figuring out what happened in the past kind of with Julie and James. But the overall vibe of this book is creepy. It's just creepy. Like there's not, I don't know how you could have jump scares in a book, but there's no jump scares. There's a little bit of madness. (laughs) We're all a little mad. We all go a little mad sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, bad quote. (laughs) That's okay. I, I really appreciate that you tried. It's your favorite book. Movie. psycho okay (laughs) this is really adorable you're you're trying real hard and i appreciate it i thought for all the world that that was from alice through the looking glass no 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 it is from psycho which was a book first by robert blotch but when it's popularly quoted it's because of the movie psycho well i'm gonna cut all of that out then Not allowed. No, this is good because I teach you some horror stuff. You teach me some sci-fi stuff. And then we overlap in the world of fantasy. It's a Venn diagram of genre. (laughs) It is. It's a love and a celebration, people. My God, if you haven't got that by now. So you know something else that would be kind of cool to bridge a little bird walk, but it is relevant is the concept in pop culture, specifically books, of the unreliable narrator. It's a big part of this book because you never understand if either character is telling the truth, if either character understands the truth, if one does and one doesn't, or the opposite. I personally love unreliable narration. I mean, kind of like I was saying before, if, if every single freaking book I read back to back is like unreliable narrators and every movie and every show I watched was unreliable narrators, I would probably lose my freaking mind. I disagree with that. I could, <laughs> I could read unreliable narration books back to back to back. It is my favorite trope. Oh, really? Absolutely. I didn't know that about you. I love to be surprised and have everything that I've read in the past at a certain point to come into question see right now i feel like because i didn't know that about you and you kind of threw that at me and like that you're an unreliable narrator right now well i just it's inception you broke me (laughs) i'm i'm just gonna i'll be over here in the corner i'm broken (laughs) in the fetal position stitches gets the wrench (laughs) so is there any other um 
unreliable narrators that immediately come to mind for you? See, for me, it's less of a a book thing, though I've definitely read and know we all have books with unreliable narrators. One unreliable narrator kind of thing that I like is for me, a lot of characters in American Horror Story are unreliable narrators. The whole series is built on that idea. Right, because the person, each character is kind of the the star of their own show in their mind. Everyone is a hero unless they very specifically want to be a villain, in which case they're still a hero. Right, because a villain is the hero of their own story, as yeah. we all know. Um, so yeah, I thought that was cool, like the way that she used that in this book. And it can certainly be used very effectively in scary storytelling. I think it's used most effectively in scary stories. Yeah. All right, guys. I think we've kind of told you enough. We're like itching to talk about the spoilers in this. So if we've intrigued you, as always, please go read this book. And then come on back. We'll wait for you. We will wait right here. Stitches and Scott and I, um, you know, we're, we're here. Come on back. And we'll be back. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to my favorite part, which is the spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Um, I think we've given you plenty of warning, so let's get into this sucker. Um, I talked a lot in the beginning half of our podcast here about the creep factor of this book. The whole book is designed to make you question your own perception of this book, perfectly mirroring the experience of the characters. Absolutely. Um, so how can I kind of put this? Okay, here's what I love. And I've read other horror books like this. I didn't want to say this as like a recommendation in the first part because it would give too much away. But there is this wonderful ambiguity to this book where you could interpret this as nothing paranormal is happening and these people are losing their damn minds. Or you can go the other route and it's all medical. It's all based on... The mold and the brain and... <laughs> or you could go the third route and always my preferred, uh, that there's supernatural stuff going down. What was the first option then? Uh, That they're just crazy. Oh, yes. Yeah. That they're just crazy. They just lost it. I think it's relevant that both things may be correct. One might be crazy and the other one may be haunted. Well, and it, it could very well also be some sort of blend of these three varietals. A bit creepy. Oh, yes, creepy. Oh, it's so creepy. The way they describe the mold and the pond scum on the water. just Oh, Jesus. And it's like, it's not only infecting the building, but it is it is infecting them in some way. It's inside of them. Well, especially Julie. Because here's kind of, oh, God. Yeah, Scott just made this like, oh, face. Julie starts getting these bruises all over her body, and it's blooming like mold. And it's already a scary thing. Everyone experiences bruises that they don't know where they got it from. And it's kind of confusing and a little bit scary. 
Yes. But imagine if it's happening all the time, huge bruises, and you can see them they're, spreading. They're dark, and it looks <laughs> suspiciously like the mold in your home. The stains on the walls are like mirroring the stains inside her. And she does eventually get, like, you know, treatment for them, which is uh, rather explainable. Yeah, one of the mysteries of the book is what is wrong with her. If it is medical, what is the diagnosis? They do finally find a diagnosis at the end, but it's still questionable whether or not that really is the problem. Well, and I mean, and if, you, and if they are nuts, could these bruises be self-inflicted? They could be self-inflicted, or there was actually an explanation that those bruises may, in fact, be caused by her diagnosis. Yeah. So, that's just creepy. There's kind of this idea that there's someone in your frigging house. Well, there's not only someone in your house, probably <laughs> hiding in the walls or uh, under the your floorboards. The, the way they describe <laughs> that there's just a million little pockets and they never you can even find them all. But it's great for storage, but it's not so good for <laughs> feeling safe in your home. And Rolf, their creepy neighbor who's staring creepy, at them all the time, no matter when you look in. Oh. neighbor always <laughs> watching. Okay, so there's kind of a Winchesterian aspect to this house it's not as awesome as my friend sarah winchester's house winchester mystery house my god i hope you all know what that is if you're listening it's one of my favorite places in the world like, it's an amazing place like outside of disneyland it's just where i want to be all the time but it's kind of the same idea where there's like rooms within rooms and rooms don't seem to line up with each other. They explain yes. that there's this indent in their bedroom that they think is the closet from the next room, but then they realize the closet's <laughs> on the opposite side of the room. What is in this room? <laughs> and this idea that well, it could be them, uh, specifically James, but somebody is crudely drawing all over their walls. And I don't mean crude like they're drawing like genital things or like no it's like children's drawings yeah. of faces and animals and i have to say i highly recommend that you get this book in the trade because there's this secret reflective drawings on the cover that do a great job of explaining what they're talking about in the book and i felt it did a really good job of completing that imagery for me right like it's in this sort of untidy childlike scrawl uh, the title, the author's name. And then, you know, normally on a book, it says a novel, like as opposed to like a biography. But on this, it says a novel, a novel, a novel, a novel. And I noticed that it is underlined as well. Yes. Or at least the T is. I don't know if there's meaning to that, but I like it. There's so many secret little points. Well, yeah. And like if you tilt the book... You can see all these faces that you can't see, like the little weird, crude human faces. And they're also on the spine. And there's like a bird or I don't know what this is. It looks like a bird. And it also looks like a key, but it definitely has feet. I have to give the cover an A+. Plus. Yes. I think, like I said, I really do think even if you normally read books on Kindle or other e-readers, 
you should get the trade of this book because it really does complete the experience. Heck yes. And I will admit, uh, not like I have to admit like this is a bad thing. Uh, I got this book in my Nocturnal Readers subscription. Which has turned out to be a really great source of good books for you. Oh my god, you guys, we will talk about Nocturnal Readers sometimes because... It's like my whole life, like I, I just am sitting here waiting constantly for my Nocturnal Readers box to arrive. And no, they don't even know I exist. They don't pay me or anything. It, this isn't like that. I Yet. S- <laughs> Please pay me Nocturnal Readers box. I love you. Even though we're giving you free publicity. Right. But I, I, I digress. Anyway, it came in, was this the infected box? I can't remember. I think so. I believe it was the infected, infected box. infested box. But even if it didn't come in that box, it's a great pick <laughs> because infected and infested is the way this book made me feel. It really just gives you tingles up your spine and just makes your skin crawl. There's a sense of dread, um, which also kind of comes at the end of the book. I like... I think I've said this on here too. Maybe I haven't. I like kind of darkly fatalistic endings where it's like, it's not ever really over. In this book, it, I mean, it's almost like maybe it's over for them. But the fatalistic part is that they're shoving this off on someone else. Now, I... I know, but because well, it depends on your interpretation of the ambiguous nature of the story. Right? The ending of, of the book actually bothered me a little. Oh, go on. Part of this has to do with my expectation, but I expected the ending to come with a... I expected the ending to have more of a negative result or more of a positive result. I'm okay with ambiguity, yes. but it did give either too much closure or not enough closure. For how well executed so many of the broken rules in writing structure of this book happened... The ending didn't quite do it for me. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about the creepy-ass old neighbor, Rolf. Is, so it, Rolf, is it Rolf? It is Rolf. Okay. Rolf is... <laughs> you come to find out he may have lived in the house in the past and then moved over to the other house, or he may have... His family may have built the house that they move into. He's the next-door neighbor. I I almost feel like at some point, well, the like these houses are connected like underground or something because there's this thing, this prevailing thing. Well, you guys have read the book, or you don't care, so I don't. I guess we don't need to talk about this. Like we're giving something away, but sometimes they end up in Rolf's house, and other times it's like as if he or someone else has ended up in their house. Well, I took that as being one of two different things. Either it was. The characters in a fugue state going to his house and not realizing that they had done it. Yeah. Or my other theory is that both houses really were one house Uh because they describe them as being mirrored. Yes. So the idea that I came up with in my head, and there's really nothing in the book to explain this, but (laughs) I like this. I like this mind idea. Okay. Okay. Go on. Is that. They were both inhabiting the same house, and basically one was the upside down version of that house. Very Stranger Things. Exactly, like Stranger Things. Well, And Rolf wasn't in the other house watching them. That was a simile for Rolf being in the same house haunting them. 
okay, now, as you said, there's not really any justification in the book for that because, like, uh, Julie's good friend Connie comes to their house and she knows that Rolf isn't there. And when other, like, when the detectives have to come to Rolf's house because, you know, Julie and James report him missing, I mean, there's definitely a separate house. To be fair, there's really not much justification for any theory that you could have on the book. Everything at the end ends up being a question of, is this what happened? Even when they find out Rolf's true story at the end, they Uh even say that their version might not even be the right version. Everyone has a version of his story. Just because they went into the house and broke in and read all of these things, it could just be their understanding of the situation. I guess so. But I mean, I, I do think there are some rules to this book and that this the houses are separate. I think they're connected via tunnel system like, you know, there's some sort of moles or something. But um, <laughs> but I, I do think they're separate. I love near at like the, what's one of the last few pages of the book is all of this stuff has gone down. And it's like Julie's stepmom like looks out the window and she's like, oh, your neighbor's going to be sad to see you go. He, I, you know, he's looking over here. And this is after he disappeared and no one had seen him for weeks. His pinkies showed up. Right. His friggin' dismembered pinky showed up. So, I mean, where he could have been hiding anywhere in the houses at that time. So what did you figure to be his story? Oh, my God. It's so hard to say. I mean, here's what I got. And again, it's very vague. But he had a brother. We know this. Albin. Who fell out of a tree and died. Yes. It's not explained if Rolf had thrown him out of the tree or not, but his mother believes that he did. Yes. So Um, she goes a little nuts. Then they have a sister, Eleanor, who's kind of like this weird replacement. And she's jittery and she writes all over the walls. And nobody really, like, there's all these rumors about her in the town and, like, what ended up happening to her. Like, their whole family, like, is kind of known because there was stuff in the papers about the death and whatnot. And then there's these journals, uh, presumably written by Rolf, that our heroes end up finding that, um, you know, kind of recount all this. And it recounts that he, I'm using air quotes here, accidentally killed his mother with poison. (laughs) Don't you hate it when that happens? I feel like Jemk set up the unreliable narration of Rolf. They set it up when James writes the confessions in Julie's handwriting. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Rolf really wrote those. Or if he did, if it's really true. Well, exactly. Um... One idea that I like to think is that Eleanor, being younger than Ralph, who is um, is geriatric, they don't give a name exactly. They call him like an old man. So she would be a little, I don't know, maybe at least 10 years younger than him, his sister, who nobody knows what the F happened to her. I like to think she's living in the walls. Don't they find out that she drowned in the lake outside and washed up on the shore. I Do believe they? they explain. Well, I think that they explain <laughs> that. But again, I I don't know if that's real or not. The whole conclusion of Rolf's story or the explanation of Rolf's backstory 
is very inconclusive. Yes, because there's other times where our characters, I think especially Julie, ends up kind of on the shores and in a cave and she thinks she sees Rolf in there once and there's like the drawings in the cave. But who knows if all that's real? Julie also thinks there's a graveyard in their backyard. There isn't a graveyard in their backyard? I Well, James didn't seem that convinced, didn't he? Maybe he didn't. See, there's so much in this book <laughs> that is never explained, never resolved. Which I love. I mean, that is what I love about it. I typically, I'm okay with books that don't resolve everything. Yeah, I have a little bit of trouble with this book that nothing is resolved at the end. There's nothing resolved. Okay, well, it's just, it's so up to interpretation. That's really all I can say about that. Because, I mean, they're leaving. They're getting the F out of Dodge at the end of this book. And they're pushing it off on another couple. And it'll be interesting to see. Well, we won't see unless she writes more stories which I, about this kind of house. Um, which I doubt she will. But if the problems follow Julie and James... If it affects the new couple in the house, I mean, that's the only way I guess we'd ever know what's really going on is to find out what happens next. Which they don't give us. What no. do you think? Um, I think that they're probably going to be fine when they leave the house because I want to look at it more from the paranormal standpoint. And the next couple that comes in is going to go through the same thing where they're slowly going mad and they're infected with mold and stuff see i think it's going to follow them whether it's supernatural or it's medical i think it, it follows them because it's set up that it yeah. followed them to connie's it house. did follow them to connie's house but I, we don't know but we don't know but see i love that i love the not knowing and um that's kind of become a horror trope that I'm super into is ambiguity. This one, and this is going to be two episodes in a row that his name comes up, but this one is very David Lynchian in that it doesn't <laughs> give you anything. Don't go into this expecting answers. I mean, it is fun to follow the mystery and try to unravel it with them, but I, I sound like a broken record. Let's turn this into a drinking game. And every time we say that it's up to your interpretation, take a shot. But it's true. Uh, one thing that I really liked is this, which is creepy, is that when they're outside, like walk, walking out to like the shore and through the woods, they hear kids playing. But there's no kids, is there? Are there? And the kids don't say <laughs> there? words. There? They're described as chirping like birds. They could be birds. Which I thought was really interesting because the bird at the end yeah. says human words. <laughs> Which I love. I love birds and animals saying human words. I'm telling you, they're. I think they're crazy or haunted, but I think it follows them. I mean, it very well could. Maybe it likes them. It, for some reason, has really attached itself with creepy root-like tendrils onto their souls. But, I mean, you know, uh, Rolf and Albin were in the trees playing when one died so is this kind of like i don't know their spirits are in the trees but the way they describe it in the book it makes it sound like there's more than two children in the trees it makes it sound like there's more than three children in the trees it sounds like a, a group of children a gaggle of children what do you call a group of children a school a murder a murder <laughs> a nightmare a <laughs> That was a 
good one. That was a good one. A destruction. A destruction. A tornado of children. <laughs> um, oh, I was going to say this kind of reminds me of Head Full of Ghosts by Paul Tremblay, which is one of my favorite books I read this year. But it's um, because if you've read that one, you kind of know what I'm talking about. I don't want to spoil it too much. It's like it's really similar, but it's really different. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. I just loved this book. I loved it. It was an obsession. It was page turner, but I thought it was great. I I was so happy with the spooky little feelings this book gave me. I was happy with the book, too. I felt that it was well-written despite being completely broken in writing style. It, in a brilliant way. It Deliberately broken. I That's love why this I said woman. I think that this book should be given to lit majors, because it shows you how to learn the rules so that you can expertly break them. But see, I don't think that it needs to be given to lit majors. I think it needs to be given to the people, so that the people, just the general populace, can read this and have their minds flipped inside out and draw their own conclusions well maybe i'm not giving enough credit to the general populace yeah but gen pop like prison i think most people want their stories to be wrapped up in a little bow they want all of the answers and I, this doesn't give any of the answers well and i mean i guess that's something uh some of our genre junkies could tell us and i'm a little guilty of that myself i have to say i want answers well, uh, some people do. Uh, little junkies out there, what do you think? Do you like it when stuff is super ambiguous, moderately ambiguous, not ambiguous at all? What do you like? Did you like this book? Did you read this book? You should read it. It's good. So how are we scoring this book tonight? Do you have an idea? You have a clever grin on your face. I do not. Mm. I was thinking about bruises. I like bruises. So how many bruises would you score this out of five? <laughs> this is five Julie bruises. I'm going to give this four gnarly bruises out of five. Oh, I'm surprised you rated it that high. Well, like I said, I found it difficult to read, but this is one of those books that I think it was important to be difficult. Yeah. <laughs> It's obvious that the author knew exactly what she was doing. Uh, her writing regularly made me question my sanity and my memory, which perfectly mirrors the experience of the main characters. I wish, though, she had pulled back just a little bit. I didn't find myself satisfied at the end because I didn't have anything to really come away from with the book except for my own theories. I'm happy that this book challenged you. I'm happy if this book challenges anybody. It did challenge me in a really great, fun way. I had a really fun time reading this book. Uh, I'm also going to give it four Julie bruises out of five. It's a beautiful, psychological, haunting pond scum filled book you gotta i don't know i mean you're either gonna get it or you don't but i hope most people get it and uh you step out of their comfort zone and enjoy it i guess that's it for now but we're gonna be back real soon with more scary stories to talk to you guys about yeah enjoy halloween season <laughs> halloween i know every day's halloween every, in this house it is every day is halloween in this house i have halloween tattoos so i'm dressed for halloween all the year round. Uh, we will be back soon. Don't forget our social media platforms where you can find us and befriend us and chat with us about stuff. 
and we're available on iTunes and Stitcher now. So please Woo-hoo! listen, rate, and subscribe. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Spooktober till we talk to you again. And just keep reading past your bedtime. 